Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Ooh, baby, I love your way every day. Yeah, yeah. Wanna tell you I love your way every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big mountain. Baby, I love your we way. We should save that for a uh, episode where we were talking about like red or something because it's by Big Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut. Hello, everybody. You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. A lot of people missed the How's It last week. Oh, yes. Well, the How's It is back. <laughs> I've been getting a lot of tweets at me asking oh, yes. for 50 playmats. I don't know what free happened. 50 playmats. <laughs> don't watch the episode. It's not like we, me and DJ were like, you know what? Let's brag on Josh. And then we just end up complimenting you for like 20 minutes straight. So oh, Well, I appreciate it. Somewhere in there, though, evidently got promised a lot of playmats yeah, to everyone. It was, was a joke. Me. I'm assuming it was a joke because we don't mm-hmm. have that amount of playmats to give no. away. Nor will I ever ship that many playmats out ever again. <laughs> <laughs> it takes forever. Um, all right. So we are not talking about mountains or red this episode or love we are answering a whole bunch of listener submitted questions we like to do this from time to time we kind of gather them up from over the last few months and answer we've got stuff like should infect be changed in edh how do you handle missed rules interactions after the fact especially ones that provide advantage for the player who actually missed their own trigger or whatever uh and when is that fan episode (laughs) of game nights finally coming out all of this and more in the bulk of the episode, but before we get to it, we got to talk about our sponsors. Heck yeah, that's right. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. We've had an affiliate link now with Card Kingdom for quite a while, and it's the easiest way to support the show because you're going to be buying cards anyway. All you have to do is when you go to Card Kingdom, just make sure you add the slash command zone to the URL, and that's it. Same exact site, and you're ordering, and you're basically just using our affiliate link and supporting the show. Yep, getting the cards you want and keeping the lights on at the command zone. Right. Very, very simple. Also, while you're there, you probably want to check out some of the awesome products from Ultra Pro. They have the Eclipse sleeves, which are the best sleeves on the market right now. All of my EDH decks are currently sleeved mm-hmm. in Eclipse sleeves. They also have really cool relic tokens. Yes. Talking about bling, you guys uh, spoke of the relic tokens last episode. We did. We put some footage in there. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways 
to bling out your deck and the play style that you have. And Ultra Pro, great way to do it. Yep. And the final way to support all of our content is if you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you can contribute to us directly. It really helps out game nights, extra turns, command zone. Also, speaking of that fan episode. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was only available to our patrons to audition to be on the show. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But if you want to be part of our community... Actually, I should say a lot of the questions for this oh, episode right. uh, we got from our Discord server, which is sort of a private chat server we have where we get to hang out and talk with our community, which is awesome. Yeah, that's right. And so we do one thing every episode. We shout out a lucky patron on the show, and you could be that person. But today that person is Roderick Cupin. 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 Roderick. You rock. Roderick. You rock You rock I tried to find a pun. Roderick. You know, Roderick, Sir Roderick is a, a character in Game of Thrones. Yes. I don't think he has the extra E here. I think it might just go Roderick. Oh, okay. So it's like two first names. So you're saying it's not the same person. This Roderick did not inspire the Game of Thrones character? I hope he did. Probably did. That'd be cool. All right. Okay. Let's move on to some <laughs> listener questions. It's pretty simple. We're going to read them off and then talk about them and uh, agree slash disagree slash debate. Um, I probably won't be playing Devil's Advocate today. That was exhausting the last time I did that. <laughs> So the first this one, is just you're just Jimmy on this episode. Yeah, I'm just okay, Jimmy. Good. I mean, maybe I'll we'll see when we get to infect. Maybe I'll turn into Craig Advocate. <laughs> um, all right, the, first, the same as Devil's Advocate. Yeah, that's a good point, Craig. Yes, is the devil. He is the devil. All right. Uh, the first question comes to us from Kyle, all the way out in Internet Land. Kyle asks, "My brother and I go com- got. Uh, got Commander decks for Christmas 2018, and we've been hooked on the format ever since." Now, I've heard you talk about power level on the show before, but my whole play group is new to Commander. What would you say the power level of the Locust God deck that Kyle played on Game Nights is? I built it, but we don't have any frame of reference to compare it to. It's interesting that Kyle is asking about Kyle Hill's deck. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the same Kyle. Maybe <laughs> maybe Kyle Hill under a pseudonym is like, what is the power level of my, my deck? deck. Um, we get asked this form of question um, often as far as like, We've talked on the show many times about sort of giving your deck a rating on a power scale of 1 to 10 as sort of just a little bit of a barometer when you Mm -hmm. sit down to try and make sure the decks are on sort of the same power level. Yeah. And people seem to want to be real scientific about being exact about it. And we always say that it's just a guess. You're just trying to get in the ballpark. What you're trying to avoid is that you have a 9 or 10 and you're matched against a 4 or 5. And you think it's the same. Yeah. So an 8 matched against a five or six is going to happen sometimes. And some people are like, I thought my deck was an eight, but after playing against you, I think my deck's a six. Yeah. That's fine, though. Those decks were within two numerical value of each other. That's enough for a play group and a table to be able to stop some person or the other. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, specifically Kyle Hill's Locust God deck, I'd say is in the eight range. Eight to nine. And Kyle, in general, builds very powerful commander decks. Uh, Even though he, he claims they're not powerful. I know. I mean, that's 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 the trap. Uh, yeah, every time I've played with him, he's doing something incredibly powerful by turn five or six every time. Uh, I would say the, the if you're like doing powerful stuff by turn three or four, that's when your deck is getting closer to the eights and nines. And in Kyle's case, he maybe has like one extra turn uh, in between that. So yeah, I'd say it's like probably an eight, maybe a very strong eight. Yeah, between 7.5 and 8.5. How about that? Yeah. So that there you go. There's some frame of reference for you, Kyle. Both Kyles. Both Kyles. <laughs> All right. Question number two is, in your To the Rules Committee episode, you did not address an issue I see brought up often in the Commander community. Ah, yes. And that is Infect. I and many others believe the amount of poison counters needed to take out a player should be increased to 20 
from 10 currently to go along with the increased life total. What hmm. do you think? This is from Brian. I think no. Do you want to expand? No. Here's the thing. <laughs> we've, we've been asked this question so many times. We've played with Craig a bunch of times. And again, to date, the I, only I, time an Infect player has won is because... Where'd you get that mug from? Hold up. Uh, L made it. My girlfriend made it. She got one of those cricket things. Yeah. And so for Valentine's Day, I got this mug that she made. That's yeah. incredible. That's pretty cool. So these are not for sale, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> we can't make that amount of them. Um, anyway, back to the infect question. Um, yeah. We, we've been asked this question a lot of times. We play with Craig a lot. And to date, we've only ever lost a table-wide game to infect one time. And it happened to be on game nights, actually. And it wasn't even Craig that did it. It was Josh yeah, Kim. It was Josh Kim with an Idris <laughs> deck. And even that was a nail-biter, right? It yeah. was like Xaxes at the very last moment. And if he wasn't able to kill me with Infect that turn, it was all over for him, right? So I think the number one place that the Descent comes from is that being the first player to die to Infect makes you the saltiest about it. Yeah. And as a result, you're raising the concern when it actually is, I don't know, like you can die to two-card combos immediately in Commander. Infect requires you to get combat damage in, to do stuff with combat tricks usually. Well, to it play. can be non-combat, but... It can be, yeah, but for them, I would say like the best way to actually get someone to infect is just by hitting them in the face with an infect creature. Yeah. Like I, you can do a Chandra's Ignition crazy play or whatever, but that takes even more cards to set up than like than just, Exsanguinate and... Or, uh, sanguine Bond and yeah, yeah. Uh, Exquisite Blood. Uh, Exquisite Blood, yeah. yeah. There's so many two-card combos that go infinite and win the game immediately that I think complaining about, or not complaining, I guess, saying that 10 is the incorrect number for Infect is actually a little foolhardy. I do like what you said. As far as like people who have played against Infect a lot, we have to be high on the list, right? Yeah. Because we have a player in our playgroop who's dedicated who to loves it. it that's like his whole thing is like any deck he has he's gonna jam some infect to it no matter into, what no matter what because that's his identity part of his identity and we've bolstered that on the show mm -hmm. and through game nights and things and so he's even more so that than he used to be so we play against infect all the time and i'm here to say it is not very powerful no and even craig knows it he's like oh yeah it's almost impossible to win a game yeah with an infect dedicated deck now can grafted exoskeleton kind of come in and do some stuff as a good card yeah but in that case it's no different than many good cards you might play than expropriator that's a go-to of course for the yeah, show. Yeah. but it's no different than many powerful cards you might play well we always talk about tooth and nail right? yeah just nine mana win the game if you have the cards in your deck and i and you know, I think people are like, yeah, you just named two of the most powerful cards. Is Grafted Exoskeleton as good as Tooth and Nail or Expropriate? No, no. it's not even close. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would say that Infect is totally fine where it is. I Again, we've only seen really one game ever where an Infect player was able to infect everybody out. Now, yeah. will an Infect player sometimes knock one player out? Yeah. A lot. I would yeah. say that's the most common scenario is that, and again, and Craig says this too, once you lock onto someone, you have to keep attacking them because you just have to get the Infect counter to 10. It's not like you're playing a... I don't know, like a Vile Smasher game where you want everyone to slowly tick down together. Yeah, you lock on one person, take them out, and then hope that you can take the next person, the next person. And generally, you can't. You usually generally kill one person, you, and then you die. Yeah, it takes you about two, maybe three turns to get that person to 10 infect. And at that point, you've spent two whole turns dedicating your hand and board to one person, and then you turn the other way. Everyone's, you know... I, I think people just need to... Um, know that it's a part of the game in the same way that you play around other things in the game sometimes you need to play around infect and that if you do have an infect player at the table that specific game you're going to play is going to be different than your normal commander game because of how people are going to get eliminated but that's the fun of it i don't think the number should be changed because if you do that you will watch infect effectively get taken completely out of the format yeah you basically if it's 20 i don't think you can play infect at all not unless it's 1v1 commander but even, even then, then yeah it's not that great yeah 
I would also say too, there's the fact that many, many cards say the the words, if a player has 10 poison counters, they lose the game. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden in our format, the words on a card will not be true. Yeah, yeah sure. Right? Are there other cards in our format that aren't true? I mean, there's cards that work differently because we start with different life, but they're still true. Yeah. Like Sarah Ascendant still works. Right. Because right? it's not worded in a way that means like you have to actually look at the card and then be mm-hmm. like, nope, that's not how it works. Yeah. Should cards like Sarah Ascendant and what's uh, Felidar Sovereign, Sovereign, should those get increased to 60 or 80 life? Like, do we need to errata everything because our life total is higher? Yeah. I think you just have to live with the fact that, you know, some cards and some things are going to work a little bit differently. And I would be in a different camp if Infect was very, very powerful. But it's not. Yeah, you never really even see it get played. Again, I'm I know what it means to get salty and I know why people are angry is because it's a it's an easy way to feel bad about something that happened at the magic table. But in in general, I would say in fact general. When you get infected out, you know, as rare as it happens, when it happens, usually if you look around, you can think of a dozen other cards that if it wasn't the infect card would also have killed you in that instance. Yeah. Like Triumph of the Hordes, you know, a lot of time an overrun would still kill you. Not always. Right, right. Not always. Try for the Hordes is kind of the best of them, too. That and Grafted Exoskeleton are the two cards that are the best. And even those are like, they got a deal. Combat. Well, not Grafted Exoskeleton. You put that on a Nekusar or something, it can be pretty good. The but. thing is about, like, Morrow has the Storm scale. So that's yeah. his scale of things that are so powerful and the likelihood they'll be printed again. And Storm, the reason it's called the Storm scale is because Storm is at the very top of that list. Of, like, let's never do that again. Yeah. In Commander, <laughs> if you had to make that list... I think Infect is very low on that list of overall power level. Yeah, Yeah, like you've got so many other things in the way. So I would just try and keep in mind the perspective when you're angry about Infect thinking, if I didn't die to Infect, could I have just as easily, in this case, died to a two-card combo? Yeah. And if you can, then maybe it's not as pressing of an issue as you think it is. All right, the next question is from Kieran. It's in... I should say, we didn't say this is a start. These uh, questions that we're saying, they're not always exact quotes. Sometimes we have to... Uh, Extrapolate. Yeah, or like, you know, summarize them. Um, okay, so Kieran describes an interesting situation where he has a big board presence, and then his opponent casts Necropotence and activates it for five, which allows him to draw five cards for five life. And then on that player's next turn, he draws for turn and then Oops. wraths the board using Toxic Deluge. And then at the end step, he goes to use his Necropotence. But then everyone realizes Necropotence means you skip your draw step, so he should not have drawn his card for turn. Hmm. So Kieran was saying, well, how do you resolve this? His suggestion at the moment was that that player should not be able to activate their Necropotence for that turn since he didn't get the downside of the card, he shouldn't get the upside. What do we think? This is an interesting question, I thought, just from a general perspective of how do you deal with missed rules interactions you know, after the fact? Probably, that player should probably concede the game <laughs> on the spot. Uh, I, it's interesting. I actually like current suggestion here, right? Which is the downside of Necropotence is that cards you discard go to exile immediately. And you don't get a draw step. And you don't get a draw step. So, But the upside is huge. Right. That's the only difference. So if you get both in the turn, I think that's unfair. And it's also like, was the Toxic Deluge the card he drew? There's no way to know. There's no way to know. I, I mean, I if it was least... you and you said, I swear it wasn't what I drew, right. I'd probably be like, okay, that's fine. Pay the one life for the card you got. Pay the though. one life and then, yeah, yeah. But, so I but think... if I don't know the person very well, then I can see Kieran's perspective where it's like, I have no idea. That could be the card that right. basically wiped the board. Yeah, and, and I think in this case, when you play a card as powerful as Necropotence, it's definitely on you, the player, to know how it works. But it's also, I mean, part of it's also on the board to make sure it doesn't happen. But 
if you think about this, the part of each turn that goes pretty much the most unnoticed, it's untap, upkeep, draw. Unless yeah. there are tons of upkeep triggers. People just sort of go right through it, draw their card for turn. It's very hard to like be like, whoa, 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 hold on. So if you know for a fact, I like what you said, if you know for a fact it's not Toxic Deluge that the player drew, then make them pay the life for the card unless they played it that turn, in which case I think Curran's strategy is correct. I think Curran's thing would be his suggestion of like, okay, Listen, board gets wiped, everything still happens, but let's just have you not activate Necropotence this turn. Yeah, that's fine. That seems pretty fair. Like, listen, you didn't get the downside of the card, so you shouldn't get the upside. Yeah. And if I was that player, like, I missed I missed it. I messed up. And it's like a small... It's not even that big of a of a slap on the wrist, basically, right? It's like, yeah. that seems pretty fair. Drew five the turn before, still have cards in hand, still playing Magic. You just have to take it. It's not even like, hey, destroy the Necropotence. Right. You know, that seems like a pretty reasonable suggestion. And I think in situations like these where we're after the fact, stuff's happened, so you can't really rewind, mm-hmm. uh, but we notice rules problems, I think sometimes you got to come up with what seems fair in the moment to the table, ways like that to just sort of like... yeah. Because you just can't go back and... Because, again, you don't know what card that person drew and blah, blah, blah. And not having anything done to them also sets bad precedent to anyone else that might make a rules mistake. It should, I mean, I think in this case, it's like you made a mistake on a pretty significant card and you also took a very significant action this turn. Yeah. There needs to be some sort of way that we can balance this out. Yeah. Try to even... And and mostly I would think if I was that player, I would be like, I feel bad about it and be like, yeah, yeah you're right. Let yeah, me try yeah, and yeah. make amends What here. can I do here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, question number quattro. This is from Chris, who has some questions specific to game nights. Chris asks, A, do you have any general restrictions or guidelines on deck building for the sake of the audience? And B, what would you say is the general power level of most of the decks played on game nights? There always seems to be a nice balance where most decks are able to shine and show off their intentions. So let's go by this A and B. Yeah, so A, again, is do we have any general restrictions or guidelines on deck building for the sake of the audience? This is for game night specifically. We do a little bit. We don't like ban any cards or say don't play any cards. In general, we ask people to avoid decks that's goal is to... Go infinite. ...is to stop other decks completely (laughs) in their tracks from doing stuff. So, like, we don't want decks that have, like, 20 board wipes or, like, Mm -hmm. 40 counter spells or, like, are just full of answers, right? Yeah. Because that's not very exciting to watch. It's just everything people play just gets blown up. So we generally are like, listen, your deck needs to have a plan to try and win rather than a plan to try and stop other people from winning. Now, that doesn't mean have no removal and have no board wipes. Please have those things. But that shouldn't be the plan of your deck. Mm-hmm. Your deck's plan should be like, I'm trying to do X, Y, X, and Y and win that way. Yeah. So that's kind of a general restriction, but we don't have any um, house bans or, or anything like that. No, I think the closest one we had to a quote-unquote ban was when we played with the Legends from Ravnica Allegiance. And we looked at all of them, and we were just like, Vanifar is in a different class entirely compared to the rest of these. Yeah, so- that's true. We're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna let people choose their commanders, but we're just for the sake of the show and the sake of having more fun. We're saying no one's gonna build Vanifar, but choose one of the other ones because they're more close in power level as a commander. Uh, we've done that before too. We did that for Niv Mizit Perun uh, yeah. for the Guilds of Ravnica episode. Also, uh, the next episode of Game Nights is or possibly the next or maybe the next one after that. We'll get to that in a minute. But a future episode of Game Nights is going to be the Ravnica Rumble episode that you all voted on, Mm -hmm. uh, what guilds everyone is playing. And let's say Jimmy, he got assigned Rakdos by the audience. 
we said, okay, let's not have Jimmy play Judith. Because it's already been played. That deck just got played in the last episode. Not that we can never have a deck played that's been played before, but definitely we don't want two episodes in a row Mm -hmm. that are featuring some of the same commanders. So there are those sort of restrictions we have to think about as well. But as far as like, hey, no one play Mana Crypt, or hey, no one play Expropriate, we just don't really do things like that. Yeah, I mean, look at Cassius when he comes on the show. He just goes (laughs) off, and we're like, cool, this is fun, this is exciting. And I think his turn three Ugin to a lot of players is like one of the most iconic parts of Game Night. So we don't want to to get rid of that part of the show. Also, I had a nightmare last night that I checked the voting website, and Boros was my number one voted guild. Like you actually actually looked at it, (laughs) and we both had had Boros. And I was just like, wait, what? What did I do wrong? <laughs> what did why, I do to why, everyone that they hate me? Why do I have to play Rakdos? <laughs> Your nightmare is my reality. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, all right, power level of most of the decks on game nights. I would say probably between seven and eight. Yeah, I'd say seven. Yeah. Every once in a while, I think for these for these like guild-themed episodes of decks, they're like a little bit below a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes. It just depends on the cart, on the pool too, right? Like we can... When we do the Ravnica Allegiance one, we're sort of relegated to whatever legendaries were in Ravnica Allegiance, and that kind of determines the power level. Again, that's why Vanifar, who, if built correctly, is a 9 or 10, had to be taken out because the other legendary options we had available couldn't even reach 9 or 10 if you built it as powerful as you you possibly could think of, right? Yeah, I mean, you could probably get there with just cards that, like... Mana vaults, mana crypts, ramps, and all even that then, stuff. I but mean, even then, you, yeah. you're actually not using the commander as the power part of it. You're finding something else in those colors that can win you the game. Yeah, but I think seven to seven and a half is probably normal. Yeah. Um, some of our early episodes when we were playing, um, oh, those could get into the eights, eights and nines. Eight, yeah, yeah I would say the deck that we've Kessler ever had a nine. played is like an eight, yeah. eight and a half. All right. Question number five. Jason emailed us asking about the Judith deck. Speaking of from the last game nights. He says, I was very curious if you are having Judith ping everyone and you have Yeheni and Dictate of Erebos, why aren't you running Revel in Riches? Revel in Riches, great card. You get a treasure token every time I think an opponent creature's, opponent's creature dies. And if you have 10 at the beginning of your upkeep, you win the game. Right. So the question was, if Judith is going to be doing her thing with Dictate of Erebos specifically, that makes opponents sacrifice creatures when you lose your creatures and mm-hmm. you're going to try and sacrifice your own creatures to make that happen. Why didn't I have Revel and Riches in my list? This is a thing I think a lot of people screw up in deck building. It's going one step too far. Ah, it's, it's I know what you mean. Yeah, so it's like I have this thing I'm doing, and all these things interact with that first thing I'm doing. That's as far as I want to go. I don't want to go one more step where it's like this thing interacts with this other thing that only interacts with the main plan. Right. So I'm two plans separated. Even one plan separated can be a little too much. Can be sometimes. a little tough, yeah. right? Yeah, you have to cut down on the one separation. Like the main plan of the deck is sacrifice and reoccur your creatures so judith does her thing yeah right so then dictate of erebos is already almost one separated from that which is like okay well while i'm sacrificing creatures we'll punish our opponents we'll punish our opponents revel riches is one step farther that's like four steps out where it's like okay well if i'm punishing my opponents for sacrificing creatures so judith can do her thing then revel and riches you just got to think of how bad revel and riches is if dictate of erebos isn't out right and since dictate of erebos is not even your main plan or your secondary plan I just don't want something that's that tertiary to what I'm doing. I want it would something. Be, yeah, it'd be different if Judith had Death Touch and could guaranteed kill the thing she was pinging. But the fact that you have to put a edict effect in there to make sure that everyone else is actually sacrificing creatures. Or yeah. give her Death Touch, which again, puts yeah. you a step away, a step farther out from your main yeah. plan. I think you're actually closer to Black Market being better in that deck if you're going to do that. Because it generates the same man that Revel and Riches does, but it doesn't have the sort of like, ooh, I could win the game potentially. Yeah. 
Um, so interesting. Yeah, but I would encourage people not just revel in riches, but I I feel like on Twitter we get asked questions about specific cards that should mm-hmm. go in decks, and I'm constantly being like, listen, it's too far away from the main plan of yeah. your deck. Yeah, it feels clever, but that is just not likely to come up basically ever. Right. And, you know, you don't want a card in your deck that 50, 40% of the time just doesn't do anything. All right. Um, next question comes from Berseg Saduakar, who asks, when you make decks for game nights, how long do those decks stay in your collection? Forever. But they get picked apart very slowly over time. Yeah, I'd say if I really like the deck, then the guy have Hapatra. Mm-hmm. That just became a normal part of my, like one of my, in um, my arsenal yeah. or whatever. Um, but yeah, a lot of them, honestly, play them the night before, play them on the game, play them for maybe a couple of weeks. And then they sl- you slowly go and be like, oh, I need another mana or something. Oh, right here. Oh, I need this rampant growth. You know, you start taking the cards out of it because you don't want to go search through a box of cards that are unorganized. Yeah. So I, I would say out of the game nights decks, and it seems like it's changed because in the beginning we we were just using our old decks. Right. But the new ones, like we want to build new decks, have new interactions, try out new cards and have more like, you know, I think it's a little flashier and more fun. That a lot. It makes us stretch past our comfort zones more. Those decks stay, I'd say like 70% of the time, they stay intact for me. For you? Yeah. Uh, it's probably less for me. I'd say of the decks we've built for the show, probably third a third of them i've kept intact and the rest yeah eventually get stripped down but usually i keep them for a little while play them a couple more times uh and see if i really really like it some of my decks evolved too like i had a mono red deck that's changed like three or four times throughout the course of the show and right now it's at its last iteration i think which is like the neheb burn deck but it started off as oh when we did the uh, the episode with the with sram and west and right, right. That, then there was that deck and before that it was a, a krenko deck you know so it's it was Kiki at it some was point. Kiki, yeah. yeah. Kiki, Krenko, Karizev, Neheb. Who knows what's next? Who knows? They're, they're, see, I don't think it's on its final iteration. All they got to do is release a mono red legendary that you can swap I in. I don't know. Nehe- that last Neheb is, Neheb pretty, is pretty good. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. All right. The next question is, how do you think WotC can add things to Boros to make them better for Commander? And this is from Vorton on Discord, or maybe Vortan. I think... Hi, Vortan. Good to see you. See you on Discord all the time. Uh, I think the main thing that we've always talked about is just it needs to have a, a strategy that's not as linear as combat yeah it needs to do something else other than combat and and be able to rely on color cards in their colors to do it yep otherwise it's like cool they could print powerful artifacts that fit into every boros deck but that's actually just increasing the power level usually of every kind of deck across the board because they can all play it so yeah i think they need some things that are in their color pie yeah that are red and or white i think it's white mostly red seems like it's getting there much better, right? So like, red's power level is high, but white's still bringing it down. And red's still in last place of the rest of the colors, but mm-hmm. it's closer. White's way down here. And I think white needs some card drawn, some mana ramp, and we say it all the time. I think there's some easy fixes that are should be within the color pie. I believe that, like, like does green need creature-based ramp, land-based ramp, and enchantment-based ramp? True. Couldn't, couldn't white have, like, some of those market festival-type auras? I think that's, yeah, they definitely could. Yeah, because they're an aura color, right? They're an enchantment color. And right now, they they get all their stuff only basically they get card draw off of like life gain or little creatures. Yeah. Couldn't they get like card draw or mana ramp from enchantments? They're an enchantment color. And I feel like that would open them up. And if it's like, hey, they had a two and a white um, aura, a chance of land. Yeah. A chance of planes, maybe. And makes you can tap, tap it two. and makes it tap for an additional mana. Maybe not even of any any color, because green's the end, you know, produce mana of any color. Right. Maybe it's just like yeah, of that of a land that ever type that land could produce. Yeah, something like that. It could yeah. still be restricted, but it that would give them their own form of ramp that's not 
artifact that I think would help them a lot. Yeah, I think you would you would call it like if you were putting it on the land, it would like be if you were white, you were building some sort of small castle or keep on there oh, or there a farm, you, you know, uh, like something yeah. about you oh, know. a farm. A farm's great yeah, actually. There you go. Yeah, they used to have like farmstead, but it or something like that, but it gained you life. It's like an old card from the yeah. Dark. Instead, it's like it's almost like resource management. You make a farm here, and now you can double your output of the crop or whatever on this plains, whatever you're at. Smothering tithe is a step in that direction. So maybe yeah. even when you tap a land for mana, you create a treasure. Create a treasure. Yeah, that's Every like time. Well, that's like creating a mana, right? Yeah, that's true. That's actually and really we powerful. Know, yeah. Well, it's two and a white when you tap this land, enchant land. Yeah. When you tap this land for mana, create a treasure token. Interesting. I could see other colors abusing the crap out of that with infinite tap untaps. Yeah. Sort of thing. But who knows? Yeah. I think I think I mean, you can already do that with market festival and stuff. Yeah. Right? I think the bigger thing is because you can at least have access to artifact ramp that card draw, just any kind of card draw that isn't so specific like we've seen that when you gain x life you may pay x draw that many cards yeah well of lost dreams yeah we've seen we've seen a, a mentor for the meek uh drawing but that's very conditional creatures with power two or less and you have to pay a mana for it so if there is just any sort of way because red's done this already right they yeah. have impulsive draw now especially on the um the red uh outpost siege, outpost siege. yeah and they Stolen have strategies it, a new one Stolen strategies uh atali when it swings yeah. exile cards off the top of your opponent's library direfully daredevil there's yeah. lots of different ways that red's doing it now i don't think white has any of those even just card advantage if yep. they're because now they printed what is basically a snapcaster in red is there some kind of snapcaster for white yeah. Small things like that. I do agree that's the biggest thing when you're playing mono white or Boros is in no other deck am I ever on like turn 8, 9, 10 without lots of cards in my hand. Mm-hmm. But every time it feels like no matter how I build Boros, I'm at like two, three cards. And the difference yeah. doesn't seem like a lot, but it's huge. Just your options are so limited. And also you just tend to stop hitting land drops. If, if you're fine up through 8... But then on 9, 10, 11, 12, the other decks hit their land drops and you only hit half of those. Mm-hmm. You're you're in a pretty um, disadvantageous position. They've just got a lot more mana than you. Yeah, know. they play a five drop and a six drop and you can play a six drop with three mana open. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a big so difference. Great. Yeah. So, yeah. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Um, okay, thank you, Vortan, for asking that on Discord. The next question also comes from Discord from Sun's Champion. I believe that's a reference to Elspeth. Uh, Sun's Champion asks, what kind of products slash cards do you want to see from Watsi for 2019? What would you like to see specifically for Commander 2019? And what do you think the format really needs right now? 
I want to see more conspiracy from WotC in 2019. That'd be sweet. Um, I know that, I don't know actually the actual business statistics and numbers, but I know that Battle Bond came out during a time that was extremely busy. I know Conspiracy 2, I think, even underperformed a little bit. I think Battle Bond did well, but Conspiracy 2, I think, underperformed a little bit. Yeah. I would love to, I, it'd be great to even mobilize the commander community to embrace these multiplayer products more because I think that's in the same like interest realm of what we'd like to do so i'd love to see more stuff like that but more strategically released and not just in the middle bunched up with 80 other things at the same time yeah i'd like to see more partner commanders i think they're sweet and each partner you come out with partners up with all the other partners so the number of possibilities that even one more partner opens up not the partners with from uh battle bond but actually a partner that can partner with other partners like uh, yeah. they could go with you know the originals Tim, Vile Smasher, Tim Vile Smasher. Yeah. yeah exactly now they have to be very careful because the potential to really break it wide open so I, I think the partners could come out and be you know quote-unquote weaker mm-hmm. but would still open up a lot of awesome possibilities so I, I would like that I mean look at the current partners right now we have a bunch but only like five or six of them are even played the rest are just sort of float around a little bit, but like there aren't really that many combinations of partners. So if you think about it, we do need, I think that pool needs to be refreshed or innovated on or something. Yeah. I just don't want them to do partner with of this set, you know, like to just yeah. make it even more specific. Yeah. Because, I understand why they want to do that though, because it makes it way safer. Yeah, much safer. Yeah, because, you know, they don't want to create a card that they that's too powerful and they have to ban. Well, imagine too, you've been working on this potion for a long time and every time you add a new ingredient, you need to test it against every single thing yeah, that you put in true. there in the first it's place. It's, it's a lot of work, yeah. Well, that doesn't change that I want it. Oh, well, yeah, maybe I agree. we're not going to get it. I agree. I, 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 there's a lot of hurdles. I get it. Um, yeah, so that's what I'd like to see. What do you think the format really needs right now? To, to make Infect at 20. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, I don't know. This is a really interesting question. I, I feel like I, I, the most of the times that we play are on the show, and occasionally uh, when we have the guests, and we always try and bring them all in to have like a commander night or play some games. So it's hard for me to predict and say what the format really needs right now. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe the format just needs more content. You know what I mean? I don't think they can release that this year. I know that I know that Watsy can't, but I think I don't know, something about the amount of content that's come up recently and there are a lot more people out there doing gameplay videos and all that stuff. I think the more we can foster that sort of healthy content making that is focused on making stuff that is inviting and welcoming and bringing more people into the format, the better it's going to be overall just to bring more players in. But I don't really know like what the what the real issues are with the format, if there are any in my mind. Because the thing that comes up to mind is, is it easy for people to get into? Yeah. And the answer is no. Um, but it's easier now than it was because Arena is helping teach people how to play Magic. It's true. Um, but is it taking But it's a complicated point? format. Yeah. It's a complicated format, and Arena might actually end up hurting it more than helping it. I don't I think don't that's know. possible. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, more people that know how to play Magic are just more potential players for Commander. Right. 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 Like, there's, it, it can't diminish it right yeah unless you had commander players that are so fed up with the format they just wanted to play something easier but they could always do that they could go to standard or limited or modern or something not that those are necessarily easier easier just yeah yeah but um, smaller card pool that's for sure 
Yeah, I don't know what the format needs right now. It's in a pretty great place. I would go back to the previous question and say that, you know, I think the best thing Wizards could be doing for the format is trying to balance the colors so they're all viable. And right now, white right. for sure feels like it's just not in a great place. It doesn't have the same chance as all the rest of the colors. Mm -hmm. And red is slightly behind. All the rest seem fine. And red mostly seems fine. If white were brought up to red's level somehow, then I, I would think we'd be in a much better place than we are now. But honestly, we're not in a bad place now. So... Yeah. Pretty happy. I think just going in the same direction is good. Oh, I like this next question. All right. Number, question number nine. I haven't watched all your videos, so there may be an explanation at some point. This is the point. By, uh, but why do you have salt and sriracha in the background behind you? And this is from Stevie, or maybe Stevie. Stevie, if you look around the set, there are all sorts of Easter eggs that we like to hide. Oh, yeah. There's tons of them. <laughs> let's, just, let's just bring some of them out here. <laughs> okay. So these are all, basically, if it's behind us on the set, it is has been a part of the podcast or on game nights. Right. And actually, when you watch game nights, you can see more of the set, and there'll be like, there's other hot sauce over in that corner, yeah. or the dinosaur puppet Jimmy had in an episode. Take a damage. Yeah. There's all kinds of little things. Josh's uh, mermaid uh, or merman, merman costume. Merman costume, yeah. yeah. The little piece of paper that Kyle had put my name on when he had to reveal it for oh, that one car right. is taped up. Uh, uh, there's also the token, the mummy token that yep. uh, Mel had on her Amon, on yeah. the Amonkhet episode. So, yes, we've done a podcast episode about the art of war. That was as, one of our first ones. As well as The Prince by Niccolo Machiavelli. Yep. And so in one of the Game Nights episode, I professed my love for Sriracha. I had Sriracha sleeves, sriracha. a Sriracha shirt, Sriracha... The um, little, like, uh, life, life pad. pad yeah. yeah. And because... I love Sriracha, and so that became <laughs> one of the calling cards of the show or one of the throwbacks that we wanted to put. Yep. And then to Jimmy. Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I was worried about copyright, so that's why you taped up the Morton part of the salt, but at this point, they don't, it's care. Just, they don't care. It's, I mean, it's free advertising. Uh, I got very salty in an episode with Josh, Kim, and Cassius, right? Yep. And at the end of the episode, I am seen pouring Morton salt directly into a mug and talking about being salty and then trying to take a big sip of it. If you're not aware, being salty is magic sort of jargon. It's parlance for being on tilt, which is parlance for being frustrated or frustrated, sort of lighted, yeah. like getting, starting to get angry about how the game's going. When you start to Almost let your emotions angry. take, yeah. yeah, make you start making bad decisions too, is kind of implied. Yeah. So, so like if I got salty, it means I was complaining or angry or upset um because i was affected by the game pretty much you've all had it happen where like somebody board wipes or something somebody's you know somebody you just do something sweet or you're about to do something sweet and someone's like nope get gone. get rid of that thing yeah and, and you, it happens a lot in game nights too you'll, you'll go back and see one our faces just turn like i get salty about like land drops yeah. right like sometimes <laughs> i'm just over it and it's not professional but it is actually pretty entertaining i think for magic players because it is a very truthful thing that happens to players sometimes everyone's been salty from time to time yeah. so yeah these are our callbacks and there's a lot of them uh, that we're not mentioning that are back there so yeah. um, especially in game nights where you can see the whole room uh, i encourage you to take a look and see what you can find back there behind us okay i will read the next question while jimmy is resetting the set it is question number 10 when are you going to do the episode of game nights featuring the fan that won the audition what? Are you, what episode? Are you going to do another audition in the future? <laughs> are you yes, going to take part one? and yes. So, Jacob already came out to LA. In fact, he came out last month. Yep. And we filmed the episode. We played some Commander with him. It was a really fun time. And the episode, I think, is actually going to be great. The game we played was really, really cool. Um, it was a longer one. I think we can spoil that at least. Yeah, it's an epic game. 
Yeah, it's an epic game. Um, and what was I gonna say as well? Um, oh, right, so I was gone to New Zealand for six months and Josh emailed Jacob asking, hey, uh, we can film your episode while Jimmy is gone, but if you'd rather Jimmy be here, then we'll just wait till he gets back. And Jacob wanted to play with me as well. So that's why the episode took so long to film from the actual announcement of who won the contest and all that. Yeah, obviously when we did the audition and announced the winner, we didn't know at that time that Jimmy was gonna get cast in a huge disney movie correct and so and be gone for that long i thought it was gonna be gone for like two months yeah i was wrong so that just threw a wrench in the schedule and we gave jacob the choice and he wanted to wait for jimmy because he's been a fan of the podcast since like episode six or something like yeah he's He's og yeah but we did have him out we did shoot the episode it will be coming out now again because of the way our scheduling works we have to fit that episode and the work we're doing on it in between the Game Nights episodes that were already planned for this year. So we uh, get together with Wizards of the Coast and because they sponsor the show, and this was in like September, October of last year, and figure out the schedule for the entire year because we have to plan a lot of things, who the guests are going to be, when can we get the product and the cards in time to shoot the episode so that we have time to edit it for a specific release date. There's a lot going into it. And so this episode with Jacob... That has to be sort of the work for it and everything has to be fit in the <laughs> quote unquote free time between the other episodes. So I'm not prepared to give an exact release date, but I'm hoping sooner rather than later. We are working on it and have gotten a decent amount done. So yeah. and, and the then, episode has been filmed. It's yeah. all ready. Yep. And then Dead. the second question is, are you ever going to do that again? Meaning an audition where um, patrons could have a chance to be on game nights. And the answer, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, We had a great time with Jacob. He was awesome. Um, It was also awesome seeing, literally just watching all the videos that came in and getting to see new people and and learn about people and put faces to names too. So that was a very fun part of it, as well as growing our community. Um, I think that was a very fun thing to do and just like very wholesome for me to have that whole experience. And we know that's something you all want. We get emailed constantly from people who are, you know, they want to be on game nights. So we can't obviously make that something that happens a lot, but we, we're definitely planning to do it at some point this year. Probably mm-hmm. around the time we uh, release the episode with Jacob, we'll have another audition, and patrons will have another chance to get on the show. Okay, you heard it here first. Ding, ding. Where else are they going to hear it? It would be weird. I was just thinking that. <laughs> if they heard it somewhere <laughs> else. If, like, on Commander, and they were like, guess <laughs> what? Breaking news. <laughs> we talked to them last night. <laughs> All right, uh, we're on number 11. Trashcrafter on Discord asks, do you play any other games or video games? If so, what are your favorite titles and series? Josh, why don't you lead this one off? You play video games all the time. Oh, yeah. Whenever I walk into the room and I'm like, oh, there's Josh playing Magic Arena. Yeah. Oh, wait, he's recording it so we can have more content. So we're, um, yeah, usually when I'm, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do, but lately I haven't, I'd say over the last year, I haven't been able to play a lot. Slay the Spire was the last one that I really played oh, yeah, that's, a lot. I like that You got me a yeah. uh, turn, tune on to that. In the past, I've played like League of Legends, mm-hmm. uh, Hearthstone, StarCraft was a big one I played for a long time. I will play console games once in a while, but yeah. lately I haven't been able to. Um, but like Fallout. Uh, oh, that's right. Not 76, 76 but four. The, yeah, 4 was probably the last one that I played much of. Um, you know, I played a little bit of Fortnite and stuff like that, but not a lot. Blech. Jimmy, you play a lot. Uh, I more diversity of games. I've also played... Uh, board games a little bit more recently yeah 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 i would say that's the thing that i like doing a lot is playing board games um matt arnold who was on the show way 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 long ago uh he's a big board game fanatic he just had a kid so congratulations matt congratulations Um, matt dot dorothy brought into this world um but yeah i play a lot of board games with him so my favorite board games happen to be very similar to magic like uh uh, seventh seven wonders it's like a drafting game that i really like 
Um, and as far as computer games go, I do stream on Facebook. Uh, we're working with Facebook to stream. And so I'll, I've streamed Magic Arena on there. I've streamed Modo. I've also played through a lot of single player games. Like I did all of the Uncharted series, which I liked a lot. The Last of Us. Uh, I do play a lot of League of Legends. It's not a great game to stream though, because it's very hard to interact with chat when you're playing. Yeah, you gotta interact with your team. Yeah, and I've been playing a lot of Apex Legends recently, which is the new hot thing on the block. So I try and diversify the games I play. I talked about Hades on the show earlier. I, I like playing games in general. That's what I grew up doing. I was a huge Nintendo fan as a kid. So Link's Awakening just got reannounced for the Switch. Very excited about that. I'm very up to date in the esports yeah, gaming you, world. Yeah, you are. Um, I will say that like I've have been having a lot of fun with Arena, um, so I may stream that at some point if we can get a setup going. I you may. Should. I don't know. You guys, let me know if you'd be interested in watching uh, me stream Arena at I all. I want to see you stream. I've never seen it before. I did get Mythic uh, You're rank a, you unlimited, mythic. so yeah. you know maybe I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if that means anything or not. You should watch Ben Stark if you're trying to watch Magic, you know, draft. Yeah, there's to get a lot good. of really good drafts. So ben, that's why I would never stream. Owen, I'm always like, why is anyone going to watch Kenji, me when they can watch? Yeah, all those people. Caleb, <laughs> these are all people that are very good at the game that you can watch. You're, you're watching Josh for the fact that you like Josh. The, because I'm gonna have a sriracha bottle in the background. That's why I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> so I assume people watch me. I'm not great at the game, but it's it's the entertainment value. All right, we are on question number 12. 12. What is the strongest opinion you have held that has shifted radically since starting the show? I'm going to assume that means opinion on Commander. Mm -hmm. And this is from GMO88, again on Discord. Uh, My opinion that equipment is... I thought equipment was great and good (laughs) back in the day because I got hit by swords. Right, right, right. And when you get hit by a sword, you're like, oh my goodness. That could go on any creature. That's incredible. The equip cost is only three, you know. So I think that was one of the things that shifted a lot for me is recognizing the overall value of why artifacts that don't do anything when they enter the battlefield can be really dangerous. Um, And sort of getting rid of, I think in general, like overrating cards or doing the two-step thing where it's like, oh, I really want to put this card in there because it works one time with this card. If I happen to draw, it's going to be so sweet. But... Sometimes you have to have a little discipline. I'd say for me, and, and you can see this in our very early episodes, uh, we often say something like, well, in our format, you know, the cost of the card doesn't matter as much. And I've kind of come around to being way more efficient as far as having a lot more lower drops in my decks and mm-hmm. worrying about mana curve more. Yeah. And I used to think originally that it didn't matter. And now I've come around to the fact that like, I want my decks to be like doing stuff on every turn and like, you know, whatever the thing is they're doing, I don't want to be wasting mana. I don't want to be making my first play on turn four or five. And I think early right. on, I kind of built my decks um, more towards that. And now it's like, man, if I don't have something to do, at least on turn two and then three, I feel really bad. Like the deck's yeah. not doing, not performing. And so um, that's been a big change in my deck building style and probably my play style. I'd say opinion for me, I used to be a lot lower on the rules committee than I was. And this has nothing to do with me being on the CAG now. Being selected to the CAG, I think, um, you know, I've been coming around for a while now. But I I think when we first started pretty early on, they changed the tuck rule. Mm-hmm. And that was in March, right around my birthday, I think the first or second year we were going. Probably the uh, yeah, first I think year. it was like seven or eight months in, right? Yeah. Uh, and we've been doing the podcast for like four years now. Um, and I didn't like that decision. And people ask me this all the time. I still don't love it. Uh-huh. I think if it was still up to me, I still would have had tuck remain a thing i think that's fun yeah to me it it, it was a deck building challenge of like having to think okay well if my commander gets tucked how does my duck function um 
do I have to have a sacrifice outlet like high market in my deck to make sure this doesn't happen? Yeah, and it was an answer to problematic commanders that are really hard to deal with because they can just come back and they're cheap. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I understand why they changed it, and I'm not up in arms that they did, right? I'm like, you know, if it was like, how upset are you about the change 1 to 10? It's like a 2. I'm not mm -hmm. super upset, but I'm not like stoked about it. Anyway, that happened, and at the time, I, w I didn't like it, and I think... At I was pretty negative about the rules committee for a while, and it was kind of the reverberations of being upset about that one thing. Oh, interesting. More more than the rest. And then now looking yeah. back over the course of time and having cooled on that, I've sort of, you know, come to realize like, yeah, the rules committee, they do a pretty good job. And, and the format's been well run. And, you know, do I agree with every single decision? No. But in general, have they done a good job? Yeah. Yeah. They have. Except for their website. Would someone please, <laughs> please, will someone update that thing? It yeah. is like, it was it made for geocities.com? Like what? It probably was though. I mean. Yeah, know, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I assume the website was made like maybe a year or two after the formation of Commander, which means it took place like in the early 2000s or something. Which, I don't know. Which, you know, the internet was still young in those days too. Like, you know, it, it just feels like it hasn't progressed at all. Either then. way, someone please fix that website. <laughs> because right now when you look up Commander ban list, you, it's like not even the top list. There's a wizard site that's sometimes out of date. We just need it's to very find. very often out of date, yeah. We just got to find something that works, please. All right, you heard it here, Sheldon. Please fix your website or update it. It's not that it's broken. It's not broken. It's just ugly. <laughs> and ask someone about SEO so that we can make sure that when someone looks up commander rules that you get to the top. Because right now, Wizards has a better SEO than you, which is makes which, sense because it's they, well, someone's job to do that. Well, at least have them have the right list then because the Wizards list that pops yeah. up at the top is not actually right. Yeah. Or it's often not right. Okay. Uh, that was from Gmo88 on Discord, by the way. So thank you, Gmo. All right, question 13, unlucky question 13. You've talked about conceding to deny advantages being scummy, and I agree that it is, but what about causing yourself to lose within the rules of the game to present, prevent some effect from resolving? So we talked about, about this before, uh, being like someone's about to go off, they need to do something, and they're pointing it at you, and as you're like, you know what, I'm going to concede the game so that your triggers fizzle, your card doesn't work, and it gives you, them a disadvantage, and you're basically slowing them down or stopping them. And we've said that's kind of scummy to do that. To use concession as a game advantage. As a game advantage, right. And, uh, and we've advocated for... Uh, sort of house rules that say you can only concede at sorcery speed. At sorcery speed, yeah, on your yeah. turn. Um, Austin here is asking, what if you did something like, let's say you're at two life and an ancient tomb. You could tap the ancient tomb to kill yourself. I think that is 100% okay. Yep. It's within the confines of the game. You're doing something that's completely illegal and you're not breaking any rules to do so. Yep, I totally agree. I think as long as you're using the cards and the game rules, you know, in a way that is totally legal, if you've got... Door to nothing, door to nothingness? Yeah, door to nothingness. And you want to point it at your own face in order to deny, I don't know what, whatever, something else. I don't know why you wouldn't point it at like <laughs> the person the, doing the person it. To you. Yeah. But it's a bad example, maybe, but I'm just saying, like, right. let's say they were swinging at you for, you know, a hundred lifelink. And if they gain a hundred life, they're going to be prohibitive favorites to win the game. Right. But you have an ancient tomb and you're at two. I think you're totally fine to yeah. be like, yep, I'm going to use my Ancient Tomb. I'm going to die. That's something they could see or at least like you're using game mechanics. Or if you had a lightning yeah. bolt in hand and you're like, I lightning bolt myself, I think that's totally fine. Either way, as long as you're not breaking the rules, I think that's fun and a great way to, to get around the situation. Yep. Okay, question number 14. I wanted to see if you guys had need of an editor. I was part of the broadcast team when I was in high school and I've done a few bits of editing work in my own YouTube channel, which I'm proud of. I'm 26. I live in Illinois. 
and I'd love the chance to work with you guys if you needed or wanted help. There's a very specific reason that I put this question in here. Oh, that's from Preston, by the way. Thank you, Preston, from Illinois. Illinois, sorry. Um, nah, nah, he bring the Illinois. <laughs> did I say Illinois? You did. <laughs> it's because I was reading it. There's the no S e- is just there. There's no E at the end. It's just It should be Illinois, if anything. All right. Well, my bad. Um, Great question, though. So... Yes, we are looking for another person to help out here at the command zone. So this was a good excuse to bring it up. If any of you out there are interested in creating content for a living, working on Magic Gathering stuff, we're looking for people with either editing experience or preferably motion graphics experience. Or both. Both would be the best. And here's the thing, though. You probably have to either be in Los Angeles or willing to relocate to Los Angeles. the work that we do, it's pretty hands-on with Jimmy and I. Uh, we need the person to be like physically present. Present. Yeah, it's just too tough. We've tried to work remotely, and for a lot of the stuff, it's just hard to get on the same page, the same wavelength. It slows you down for notes and all that stuff, too. It yeah. just it ends up not being worth the hassle. And it's also going to be a person that presumably you know, we're going to be training mm-hmm. in, and investing a lot of time in to give the skills necessary because Game Nights specifically – is the type of thing that the only people I know that could actually edit it without any additional training are pros. They work on The Bachelor or The Kardashian Show or on movie trailers mm-hmm. or you know stuff like that. So if you are somebody who is interested, email is going to be the best way to throw your hat in the ring. Um, send your resume, send a reel if you've got it, and we're going to begin. We'll probably already have begun looking for that person, but if not, this is the first time you're hearing about it, and uh, yeah, we need a little bit of help. Yeah, uh, the big thing is when you send the email, you know, this is your submission for a job. So the don't like, I've seen some stuff come in that's an all lowercase, typos everywhere. That's, we're looking for someone to join the team and edit stuff that is extremely hard to do and be trained to do so. So sending in a reel, let us know where you're educated, if you have training at all, who you've worked with, what you've done, all that stuff that you think is pertinent and keep it nice, short, and concise, commandzonecast at gmail.com. All right. I like what you said about... uh, It's funny because every good editor I know is a perfectionist. Every Mm -hmm. single one. So a bunch of typos and stuff in an email is actually an indication that mm, you might not have the right mindset. Because dotting all your T's and crossing all your I's is very important in editing. Yeah. Because when you... Gosh, there's so many times when I feel like, I'm done. I'm not even close to done. Yeah. And you're like, I got to watch this for the 50th time. And yep, I found a mistake. Change this here. Maybe this time. Yeah. It's... All right. Makes me go crazy. We have one more. It's not a question. Yes. But we're still receiving a lot of emails uh, that are basically boiling down to a topic that we've talked about in the past, which is my playgroup always kills me first. We get these constantly. It's like, oh, my playgroup says my decks are no fun. They always kill me first. And we've answered this so many times. We're not going to answer it again. But we've got an email. It's pretty cool. So we're just going to read the whole email. From MJ. MJ. Michael Jackson. The king of pop (laughs) Michael Jordan. Or Mary Jane. The king of basketball. Yeah. The, Kirsten the, Dunst from the, the, yeah, Spider-Man. Spider-Man's girlfriend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. I'll read it. I wanted to reach out specifically to shout out your advice for a player that was targeted for being a stronger player or a more research player in a playgroup. Many of my decks were strong and or degenerate, and it got me ganged up on more often than not. After hearing your politics advice, I decided to first make a group hug deck only dedicated to being fun and making the game crazy. Then I did go for the non-optimal plays and the more interesting fun or funny plays. Doing this had me lose many games due to the threat I used to be. 
Proving that the decks were not threatening was the part that took the longest. I will report that I am not even close to the most targeted player in my playgroup anymore, and now I can get some cheeky wins because of this new playstyle. Hmm. Words of wisdom for some spiky players. If you win a lot and are now being targeted, there is hope. It took many games, but it was well worth it, and I can even break out some degenerate decks now occasionally. Thanks, guys. MJ. Ah, that's a great little anecdote there. And it's one of the many ways that you can get your playgroup to stop targeting you. Now, obviously, this required them to make a new deck and to have a consistent enough playgroup that you could play a lot of games with it. But when you said cheeky wins, that made me very happy because that is one of my favorite ways to win the game is sure. to do so in a very cheeky, interesting way where it's like, ha you thought you were safe until I did this. Um, I, I lulled you into a false sense of security. Um, so this is great. This is obviously uh, proof in the pudding that you can become the least threatening person at the playgroup. It just actually requires work from you. It's not something that happens overnight. And especially it's not going to happen if you've left a bad taste in other people's mouth. Quickly, at least. All right. To the listeners, we'd like you to answer some of the questions we answered here today. What do you think about the questions asked? What are you, What would your answers be? Do you think Infect should be changed in EDH? What are you hoping WotC will do with the Commander Focus products this year? What do you think about players using their own cards and effects to knock themselves out of the game to deny another player advantage? We'd like to hear in the response, in the comments, tweet at us, email, whatever. It's always awesome to go through and see what the brain trust thinks. Whatever. Whatever you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. But Well, one thing you really should do and is. should want to do yeah. is go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone because ding, 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 ding. you're going to order cards for your magic deck. Maybe you're being targeted by your playgroup and you need to to build a crazy, wacky group hug deck that's fun or funny. Or well, you need to lean in and just make your deck even harder to kill. Either way, you need cards to do that. <laughs> And so if you go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone, you're not only getting the cards you need, but you're also supporting this podcast, Game Nights, all of our content. And if you need to trick the players at the table into thinking you're playing a deck that you're not, Ultra Pro has got some products. Boy, do they ever. You mean like putting like your Azorius deck in Golgari sleeves or something? Heck yeah. That only works for like until you play your first land. Yeah, but then people will still be confused because they'll look over at your side of the table and be like, oh, he's got Azorius everything. Eh, whatever. Maybe he's not a threat. <laughs> so, Ultra Pro Products, also sponsor of the show. Make sure to pick some up the next time you're looking to bling out or uh, make your decks look cooler and yeah. outfitted. For sure. All right, now it's time for the instep where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Ah. So, one of the questions today was from Suns Champion, who is on our Discord server, one of our patrons. And uh, they put together a playlist that is all the songs we've sung on the show. That's incredible. And so we're going to put the link in the show notes. And if you want to hear, this is not us singing. This is the original <laughs> versions. Because if it was us singing, I would not recommend that you it's get It's also it. like each song is like 10 to 15 seconds, poorly done. <laughs> no, not this good. is the original versions by the like actual bands and, and people who did the like That's great. The real version. So yeah. We get to see what our general music taste is. Yeah. I don't, yeah. It's a lot of like classic rock. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it's true. All right. Um, something else that's classic is our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them right next to us at collected.company. You can find them on YouTube now because they're doing video content. If you just type Masters of Modern mm -hmm. into the search bar, they'll pop up. Uh, also, you can find them on Twitter right next, uh, not right next to us. Twitter is just at the MMCast. No one's right next to anyone on Twitter. On collected.company, they're right next yeah, to us. Yeah, literally right next on to Twitter, us. On Twitter, everyone's just amalgamous blob. They're like next to each other, but also very far away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true right <laughs> it is true our editor for the show is Josh Murphy Murph. Murph. 
special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does all the 11 card animations behind us, on the screens behind us for the most part, and as well as the opening and outro of the show on YouTube.com slash Demand Zone Podcast. You can find Jeffrey at Living Cards MTG on Twitter. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Well, you'll see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.